so yeah, we uh, for me it's it's realtor outreach, right? I want to sit down and, and interview real estate agents and get to know as many agents as I can. Um, and then more than that, this allows me to be like really specific with the agents that I have on, mm. right? This uh, like you know this, and and I try to be delicate in saying this, but not every agent is a great agent. It's true, <laughs> right? And, and it's really evident this yeah. last few years, right? Yeah, and I think it well in the last two years, I think that the gap between great and good got even bigger. Yes, and there was I, I think in the last two years was probably two of the years at least. In I've only been an agent about six or seven years now. How, this is rude, but how old are you? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. So you've been licensed for how long? So I actually got licensed in twenty sixteen. So you would have been what, like five years old? Yeah, <laughs> like close to much, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were what twenty? So yeah, twenty. I was twenty when I got my license, and I mean, you can. It, we share a similar background. Yeah. So this is. I always feel dumb saying this, but I grew up in real estate. Yeah. And I was had gotten my license, was ready to get into the business, and got engaged at the same time. And my husband was a brand new realtor. I'm, and I freaked out and I got scared. And so I wanted to go for more of a salaried position. Yeah. And so then I went into title insurance for a few years. Hated that. To start out. You know, it was different. I yeah. mean, it was my intro to sales. So I think everyone's first job in sales is a little, it's a little rough. Chaotic. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a lot How of skill sets How did your dad feel about that? Um, for those of you that don't know, right? Because there's yeah. gonna be a lot of people that don't. Explain a little bit about who George is yes. to everybody. So, and I don't want to make this all about your dad because believe me, like I, I, I get the pet peeves there. I just, I want a little bit of context about who makes you, you, right? because what people don't understand is even though you're young, even though I'm young, I think what my head start was in the business is when I got licensed at 24, I was able to sell 58 units in my first like eight months. Amazing. Well, it, yeah. it, yes, great. Whatever. The numbers were, were great, but it, it wasn't really my first year in real estate because right. I've been having real estate conversations since I was six years old, mm -hmm. riding in the back of a truck. And actually I called George a couple of weeks ago when we kind of got back into contact and he goes, oh, I remember your dad from 20 something years ago. Oh my gosh. Right. So like that's, so yeah, a little bit about who your dad is, what you guys kind of have going yeah, so I always like to say I was born into the business. You know, both my parents have been in real estate since literally before I was yeah, born. Do you know anything different? Like, do you, I, I don't remember anything that's not real estate no, related yeah, in no, my life. Nothing. Like, and that's what's always bad is when people, you know, have friends and family who they're doctors or dentists or whatever. I'm like, everyone I know is in real estate. It's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, growing up, I mean, he's definitely an intense guy. So he's, he's the CEO founder of Century 21 Everest. Which so, you guys have how many agents now? So we have just under 900. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a lot. We're across two states, right? So we're Utah and then California as well. And then how much in volume did you guys move last year? So I, oh, that's a great question. I'm volume putting you on the spot. I know, I should have come prepared with that. But in Utah, we did just about 5,000 transactions. Which, uh, I mean, an average purchase price of half a million or so. Mm -hmm. You can kind of do the math. Right, right, exactly. So Which is yeah. crazy. It's yeah, it's a it's a big company and I would say really unique in the fact that it's a big culture of motivation, personal development and Does that come from George? It does. Yeah. And I mean that's a lot of what I grew up with, right? Is, you know, Yeah, what was matter. it like growing up with that? really intense. That's what I always tell yeah. people. <laughs> I kind Describe of Describe intense. Go a little bit deeper on that. Yeah. So I, you know, and I'm also the first, so uh, I'm the guinea I'm pig. I'm the oldest too. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and he's just, it's funny to see how he does business now versus, you know, growing up, even just as people find themselves in this industry where you get so rigid and you're so structured and you're, you know, by the book and, 
everything, everything, everything. And it's been fun to see as people grow in their experience and their confidence, they realize, oh, maybe that's not what led me to exactly being successful. So it's, you know, it comes from a lot of who you're showing up as a person, your integrity, your, you know, your discipline in terms of what you think is important to you and your goals that way. Yeah, and I think that you probably mm-hmm. feel that even more being the daughter, right? Like, yeah, because these are the things that you've been I, like all of the things that that edge now stands for right all, all of the reasons why edge has become as successful as they have everything like that it, it is who my dad has been since I was five years old right exactly. since, I, since as early as I can remember yeah yeah exactly so it's it was an easy transition I mean always about working hard you know one of his taglines is winning is in the details and so everything you do just really focusing on doing your very best and and that made it I think truly, I think that's been a big reason of why I've been able to succeed in this industry as quickly as I have is because I grew up just having that habit of giving your very best, working hard, not giving up, being resourceful, finding a solution. And it's just propelled me that way. So going back to the kind of the beginning then, even before you got licensed, right? I, I, I know for me, the fact that like I grew up in it, the fact that like I watched my dad, especially watching him go through 2008, 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. I was hell bent on the fact that I am not going into real estate. Right. I am not going to do it. I am not going to do it. I am not going to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I, what (laughs) the hell I was planning on doing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know, like skill set wise, real estate, mental capacity, real estate, like Mm -hmm. every, like all the boxes check real estate. I don't know. Like wanted to be an attorney. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I went through that until too. I went to school for like 15 minutes, and I was like, mm, "Hell no!" Uh, right? Psych. Yeah, <laughs> until I was like, "This, this isn't it." Uh-huh. Right. So go back a little bit, like 18, 19, coming out of high school, like yeah. trying to avoid at, at all costs. If you're anything <laughs> like me, trying to avoid. Totally. What, what did life look like? Yeah. I, again, I never ever thought I would be in real estate ever, <laughs> and so I was going to school. I got my bachelor's in sociology, and my plan was to be a social worker because I think, and I don't know if this is what you felt like, but I felt like there was so much in the lifestyle I, I appreciated about watching my parents in real estate that I, I wanted parts of that, but I didn't want the stress. I didn't want the, you know, the chaos or the downturn in recession. Yeah, like the idea, it. like the, like watching my dad's life change. And I say my dad, but our entire family's life change mm-hmm. uh, seemingly overnight, right? As yeah. I, how, how old would we have been? I was 20, let's see, 2008, I would have been 15. No. How old are you? 29. 29. Okay. Yeah. So we're like three years apart. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can't do math all of a sudden. I can tell you what 3% can of 29 is, but like, I, so uh, but yeah, like, I, yeah. So like yeah. 10 years ago, like 10, 15 years ago when 2008 hit, I, I mean, I would have been, it was old, when I was old enough to notice that like something had changed. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching my dad, I used to make fun of him for it, which now I feel like an asshole, yeah. but, but I used to watch him come home and just like stare at the wall right? and just zone out and mm-hmm. just blank out. And I had no idea what was going on in his life. I wasn't old enough to watch the news. I wasn't, I didn't have a phone. I wasn't like paying attention to some of those things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and luckily I think my dad did an amazing job of not letting me know where we were at financially. So like I Same. didn't, so even though his life changed, like ours at home didn't mm-hmm. really. Yeah. I was right? the same way. I remember I was in dance and my, my teacher would always come up to me and she'd be like, hey, do you know when your parents are going to pay your tuition? You know, and ask just you know, not out of spite or anything, but just wondering like when it was coming. And that's the only time. thing I can remember 
of thinking, oh yeah, we were struggling, right? And that's, and, and we really were. I mean, truly, if you hear some of my dad's stories, I mean, literally hours away from losing our home. And it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible the amount of pressure people can hold on their shoulders. In this so we'll, we'll go back to this in a second, but I want to get your take on it because I think that you're a prime demographic for what kind of my theory is, right? And we're experiencing a market shift currently, mm-hmm. right? I, do you know who Bill Pipes is? Um, I heard you mention him on another podcast, but yeah, yeah so I know him and my dad are, are friends. Yeah, so him and yeah, him and George are, are really close friends. So I'm sure George has heard him say this, but, and his episode launches tomorrow, but one of his biggest pet peeves right now is when agents say, oh, the market's shifting, the market's shifting. He's like, listen, the market has shifted, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. we're experiencing a shift right now. We're experiencing a change. The market is shifting. And, and I, I think that a lot of what we're trying to figure out right now is what is it shifting to? We know what it's shifting from, and we know that that was a very unrealistic market for the last two years. Sure. Right. There's two contributing factors, I think, that make the 2020, 2021 markets uh, unlike anything else. And and the first one is obvious. It was the appreciation. Right. In our markets, Utah, Salt Lake County, at least for Edge, we saw almost 28 to 32 percent appreciation year Mm -hmm. over year. Right. Not over the course of two years. Back to back, back to back. It's insane. Ridiculous. A healthy is five to seven. Something crazy is eight to 12. Right. Right. So we saw just absolutely crazy numbers over the last two years. But the other part of it too, that nobody wanted to talk about because that appreciation thing was such a big uh, headline for everybody was the fact that interest rates were at historical lows of two to three and a half percent. So like, you know, two and a half, three and a half percent somewhere in there, which was just ridiculous. That doesn't exist. That's not a real thing. Right. So we're seeing this shift going from from that to, to wherever it is that we're headed. Right. How much of it do you think that what we're feeling right now from a consumer standpoint is fear from 2008? Oh, a million percent. Yeah. And, and I think on top of that, I think we have more agents who have never I mean, to your point, right, you, you've been in the business a long time. I mean, six years is still a good amount in of real time, estate. That's right? actually that's actually like it's, a really long yeah, time. You're right? survivor, yeah. right? Through the two years. Yeah, we're so in this nine out of 10 new agents don't even make it past two years, yeah. which is insane. And so that being said, um, I mean, none a lot of the, the market in terms of realtors have not seen a shifting market or a declining market. And so I think on top of the consumer, the buyer, the seller being freaked out. I think the realtor is too. And so what people need right now is certainty more than ever. And so if you're a realtor and you're experiencing some of those feelings, we'll figure out how to get confident, figure out what it takes to feel the confident and how to survive even in a bad market. I mean, we built our company right in 2009. Yeah, we so, were 2008. Yeah, so yeah. exactly. So the some of the worst, I mean, truly the worst economic times this country has ever seen. Not only that, but, but bad for real estate, right? That's the yes. other part of this that a lot of people don't understand, I think, because 2008 was was driven by real estate that recession was like this recession is being driven by inflation and some of the stuff that happened during covid yeah right 2008 was completely driven by real estate right Right. obviously it had more to do with the mortgage mortgage industry more than anything specific in real estate but but by and large 2008 was driven by real estate which is why it got destroyed so much Mm -hmm. right we saw almost a 30 something percent loss in home values in 2008 2009 because it was driven by real estate recession doesn't automatically mean though that real estate values are going to decrease right Right. And well, and with the increase, the appreciation, like you've said, I mean, even if they were to go down 20 percent, well, you're still above what you already paid. Right? Yeah. And I think a couple of years ago, which I, is amazing. actually I sat down with a lender yesterday and we were kind of running through some numbers because my question was this. 
in 2008, what had happened is people bought at the peak, right? Mm-hmm. 2007, 2008, people bought at the peak and then they watched the bottom just fall out. Right. And so they were upside down in their homes, right? So that their monthly payment they were contributing every month was going to nothing. Now what's happening is even if you bought, let's say you bought and closed a house this year in February, March, April, when you could arguably say that was kind of when the market was at its peak. peak. What people don't understand is that you were closing at a two and a half to a three percent interest rate. And so what I was curious was was that let's say that if you bought here but your interest rate was here, where do you have to go to today? Where do prices have to drop to with today's interest rates to have the same monthly payment as everybody that closed in March and April? It's almost a hundred thousand dollar swing depending on your purchase price. Right. So it's stuff like that. What are you? uh, So I'm curious. I I love what you said about agents have to feel confident in what they're doing right now and why now is a good time to buy or sell. Mm -hmm. Right. Which I am a big advocate that it's always a good time to buy. Like there is there is never a reason not to buy a house. Right. What are you guys seeing? What are you guys trying to tell agents right now? What are you guys uh, like? What where what should agents be doing to find that confidence? Would you say? Yeah. So since I'm on the recruiting side, more so. I, I mean, I, I sell as well, but recruiting is for sure my focus. Um, you know, I talk to agents all day and there's so many different perspectives people have where you, they're like you, right? Where they say, yeah, it's the best time to buy or sell no matter what, right? And then others are thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening? And so with that, it, I think it comes down to what's the goal and, the, and that's how you become a valuable agent. And that's how your clients choose you again and again and again is you listen and you help them get what they ultimately want, right? I mean, does it make sense for someone who wants to live in a house for one year when it's a little uncertain? I mean, in my opinion, I don't think it does make sense to buy right now. So talking to your clients and seeing really what the long-term plan with their goal of purchasing a home or selling a home, because I would say in a lot of cases, it makes 100% sense. In some, it doesn't. But when you get to educate and really be the leader for your clients, and you're not just out there to get a commission check, that's where, ironically, you will make more money because of it. You will close more deals because of it. Because yeah, people, that's when you'll have people coming back to you, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll get more referrals, right? But people want to work with people who like them, right? Who are like themselves and who they enjoy being around and they can trust. So when you can mix that all with educating and pro- providing value, I mean, who won't work with you? So do you guys, and I love that. That's honestly, we've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast and I'm going to keep mentioning it, that the reason that we wanted to start this was, was to, to help value, to, to help yeah. bring value to consumers, I right? People it. that are looking to buy or sell a house, right? And, and who they should be hiring. Cause I think an agent that brings value is, is an incredibly valuable person to help you not all, just on the first transaction, but going forward. Right. Right. So what I, now I'm curious a little bit more, what are you guys, uh, what is George, what is your, what, what is the opinion kind of of, of one of the bigger brokerages here in the state that moves a lot of inventory? What, what, where do you guys think the market is going? So I think we're, we're definitely, I mean, to your point, we've already seen a shift happen yeah. and, and it's a critical that if you're an agent or you're someone who's really looking to grow your business, that you're getting really clear on what you do to get consistent business. So that's what we've been focusing a ton on with our agents is, okay, we've been spoiled the last two, almost even three years of you sit there and you have a real estate license and you're usually closing at least something, right? Each year. In in a normal market, what percentage of a real estate agent's business, I'm not asking for like the percentage of deals, but uh, as far as focus, as somebody that's recruiting and trying to help agents do their best, Mm -hmm. what percentage of their business should be spent on lead gen versus uh, actual client management, right? Right. 
Well, I, I've always gone by the 80-20 rule, yeah. right? Where 80% of your day should be spent on income producing activities. Where the 20% more of the admin, the maybe setting up the systems, things like that. It's a lot of what we coach and train our agents on. And that 80% rule went out the window for yep, two years, it did. right? Like, cause it yeah. wasn't a lead gen conversation anymore. It was a, okay, can you get this offer accepted? Exactly. Which was a completely different market. Right. Well, and I, it's exactly why in, you know, in the last recession, why we saw literally 50 plus percent of agents get out of the business. It's because people don't tend to run their schedule and then they don't have the discipline to, to spend 80% on income producing activities, because let's be honest, it's not the most fun thing to do. No. And it's, it's the one where you have to kind of put yourself out there the most and where yeah. you have to like be able to justify your existence almost. Right? right. Well, and deal with rejection and handling objections. And I, I mean, in this market to your, to your question, what we're doing with our agents now and, and what we're expecting in terms of the market is we are focusing on skill sets more than ever. I mean, we, we tend to always do that. I think it's a big reason of why we're so successful is because a lot of a lot of agents watch HGTV or Selling, selling Sunset. Sunset and they it's think my it's my biggest pet peeve. I know. <laughs> I like to watch it just to see if I'm selling more houses yeah. than them. <laughs> like that's... Okay, fun fact. We have a, a service we use to uh, gather data on different agents in different markets. And I swear none of them even have a real estate license I, over there. I don't even get it because they're not on there. So I don't know. But, little sus is all, yeah, is all Kenzie's saying. saying. <laughs> but what my point is, is that there's so many people get into this industry thinking, oh, it's so sexy and fun and amazing to be a realtor. And they don't realize it's a that sales does exist. industry. That does exist. It does. It 100% It's a lot of fun. Does. You can absolutely drive a BMW. Oh, yeah. You can absolutely get a Macy's suit, mm -hmm. right? You can you can definitely live the yeah. life. I, I'm wearing Jordan 4s at 1 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon, right? So, like, right. Don't, don't let me tell you that this job can't be fun, but... It, it, it's not all it's cracked up to be exactly. at times, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it's mixed with work. I mean, and that's why we all work so hard is so we can have the lifestyle so we can travel and do amazing things or whatever fuels you, but don't forget the part of working on yourself and really mastering the business. So we got sidetracked a little bit and that's okay. Um, but I want to go back to kind of what your life looked like before you, before you got licensed. Yeah. Right. Where were you at? Like what uh, you went and got your bachelor's degree in sociology. You went yeah. to where? So Westminster. Sweet. College, just in Salt Lake. Sweet. Yeah. So I got that planning on being a social worker, getting my master's after. Um, and in the middle of that, I, I did a lot of volunteer work, obviously. So doing that really taught me some good life lessons. I was a crisis counselor for crisis text line. And so I was the person that would answer when people would text in. And so I got to talk to- And they would say, I'm not doing too hot right now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? They would need to talk to someone, go through things. And you could always see the history of past conversations as well. And it was just, it was eye-opening to me to realize that if you want something to change in your life, you have to be the one to want it, right? I mean, aside from obviously mental illness, but right, if you're, if you want something to change, you have to be the one to do it. No one's going to do it for you. Well, I think even with mental illness, uh, and we got to be delicate here. Sure. Um, you can't get better until you ask for help. Sure. Right. And so yeah, like, there is sure. still like a certain degree of like, you can't get better until it's until you want to get better. Yeah. Not meaning that you can just turn it on and off, but meaning that you you have to ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And and I started to see that a lot in my life too of 
of just people talking about change and saying they wanted it or complaining is a really good indicator too of, oh, I wish this and this and this would happen or not happen or whatever. And it just opened my eyes to, I would be kind of almost going into an industry where I wouldn't have a lot of control of people who wanted to change, right? And in real estate, I felt like you get to really honestly choose who you want to work with or recruiting, right? Who you want to come into the company. And so things like that. And and so it opened my eyes and, and made me a little more open to it. And at the same time, I had already been working in title. But for me, working in title was just a job while I was planning yeah, on I was becoming say, why, a social worker. Why title? Because I... Do you know my background at all? Like I went and did mortgages mm-hmm. for three okay, years. Okay, yeah, right? so, so you've I, been there. Yeah, I from twenty one to twenty four, I went and did mortgages for three years because like I, I was comfortable in the industry. I was comfortable with the jargon. I was comfortable yeah. with like everything that was around me. Mm-hmm. But I was still trying to do my damnedest not to go into right. real estate. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I know it's it's a tricky situation because you grow up in the industry and yeah. you reap the benefits of being able to travel or you know, parents take time off or whatever it is. And so you love that, but then you see also the stress of it yeah. on top of it. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. You try to figure out as you're coming of age and figuring out where you want to, you know, spend your time in the industry. So, so yeah, so I chose title mostly just because we had a good relationship with, with the title company and there was a job that was available and they, like God bless them, they took a big leap of faith on me because I was so like my, my skill sets were so bad, and um, but I just you know stuck with it and had some great mentors and coaches and and just figured out how to become successful in it and did that for a couple years, but in title you get to go to lots of different brokerages, you get to go to lots of different trainings and lots of different Interact events, different agents and, and, and network yeah. and and. A lot of it was, you know, I really started to feel like, okay, if this person can do this, I can do this because I still was feeling that fear and that uncertainty. But then also some things happened to where I would spend a lot of time at Everest, right? Century 21 Everest. And I saw not only how the agents there, especially if they were new, they would start doing business faster, but the environment changed my mindset. And I got to this point where I had the biggest FOMO and I just wanted to be part of it. And so what was funny with my dad is he, George, he never, again, he almost this with his situation and his, his experience and what he sacrificed to build the, the company that we have. Has he been at Century 21 for like as long as you can remember? No. So he um, started originally at way back in the day at Coldwell Banker. Okay. And, you know, over years, then he owned a realty executives and then had his own brokerage. And then we joined with Century 21 about two years after okay. um, starting our company. Yeah, it was originally called the Everest Realty Group okay. and then partnered with Century 21. Yeah, it, it becomes really difficult to, if you want to give a special, a certain experience to agents, it becomes really difficult to provide amazing marketing, amazing leadership, amazing support, technology, resources, without, if you're not with a franchise, without charging them an arm and a leg. And so we, Century 21 has been a really good fit for us in, in terms of just the local leadership mixed with all of the, the resources of the franchise that come with So it. was there a turning point for you where, where you went to George and you're like, all right, I'm in, right? Like I remember for me, like I was yeah. sitting there and, and, and for me, like as dumb as it was, like I, so my, my process was a little bit different like where I, I wouldn't say that like I felt the FOMO because like I, I I went to my LDS mission came home 
started working for First Colony Mortgage. She's our mm-hmm. preferred lender. Yeah. Um, met some unbelievable people over there. Like you said, had some great mentors, some great things like that. And and they were amazing because they let me be me and figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. Because the entire time that I was there, I was like backseating them. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I say that respectfully. And I we've had this conversation with with the people over there because now we're all friends and we can laugh about what Boo was doing with this time <laughs> there. Um, but I, I realized really, really quickly. Well, I, I tried to do school. Right. I tried to go to school. I tried to go to UVU. Sure. I tried to do my thing and uh, all building up towards being an attorney or something. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I use that as probably a placeholder because I don't know what I was going to be. But that was kind of like the the rough. The ish. Yeah, that was kind mm-hmm. of the rough ish goal. And so what I wanted to do or, or what what kind of ended up happening is I, I kind of got my first big month in mortgages. Mm-hmm. And okay. I was like at the same time I was in like math 960. Right. Because I wasn't very good at school. And I was like, yeah, OK, I, I, I like this. Yeah. So then it took a while. But once I finally started to get comfortable with mortgage, like once I decided, OK, I'm not going to go to school, I'm going to be a loan officer now. Right. It took a while to like get over the fact that like I wasn't at edge. I wasn't doing oh, my thing over there. Okay. And so once I finally like broke that and got comfortable at first colony and started mm-hmm. to like really come into my own over there, that's when my dad was like, Hey, come and sell come for me. And I'm like, yep. You son of a bitch. <laughs> right? <laughs> you son of a bitch I'm in. By the way, right? I'm so jealous of you because I heard this term the other way, SOB son of a broker and i'm Ooh. like oh i can't use that yeah so you'll have to use I'll that i'll have you to use that <laughs> yeah oh that's great okay yeah. sob that's probably the name of this episode yeah, there USOB. You go. USOB. <laughs> so yeah it. what was that moment like when you went to george and you're like okay i'm in so ironically again he was he was not necessarily for it so he was not the biggest fan of me joining the company and the reason why is because our leadership were, were held to really high standards. And so if I wasn't meeting those standards, he was going to have to fire me. Yeah. And, you know, I had worked at the office as like a receptionist or an OA just temporarily. And it, yeah, I mean, what was like your yourself, job? what was your I first job working for your dad? It was his freaking assistant. Yeah. <laughs> I was a sign guy. Oh my I gosh. I was a sign guy. I was heads. digging sign yeah. holes in the front of the yards, right? <laughs> right. My, okay. my sister, yeah. though, who's 16. She's a junior. Yeah. Just started with the marketing department as like a uh, summer. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I know. That's You're not, like, that's come cheating. On. But I, I, I love what you said earlier about how you've seen George progress and, and change and his business is different than it used to be. And I, I think my dad's the same way. Yeah. Right. right? I know. Yeah, it's, so, it's really fun to but see. But I think that that's where like I got my first taste of being with the company and kind of understanding like, okay, mm-hmm. this is kind of cool. Right. This, this real estate world is is kind of cool. Well, that's what happened to me in title was I, I kind of realized, oh my gosh, this is actually, this is kind of a big deal. This is pretty amazing. What's he's, what he's created. And so I wanted to be part of it. And then he goes, Nope, sorry, you can't. And so I had to sell him. That made it worse. On getting me. So I basically had to like get him to recruit me. And then I, there was a position that just opened up as recruiter. And so I, I know I jumped into it and lot of pressure, a lot of, you know, because again, all myself probably that I put mostly on myself, but also from him and, you know, just the environment to make sure I didn't frankly F it up. So, you know? so how do you, <laughs> how do you, well, yeah. And how do you, this is something like I've talked, I spent many hours talking mm-hmm. to my therapist about this. How do you, how do you deal with the, with the daddy comments, right? With the, mm-hmm. you are where you are because of your dad. So it, because, because if I could just mm-hmm. say, my personal opinion, I used to try to fight it. Right? Mm-hmm. I used to like, nah, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. When in actual, it is 100% true. I am 100% where I am at 
because of my dad, right? I do work for him. Right. I did like mm-hmm. to to deny that I think is being ignorant. Yeah. Right. So I, I now I, I really want to know how you how you kind of dealt with that. Yeah. You know what? It's so interesting you say that because and I really maybe resent is a little strong of a word, but I was a little upset about this when I started recruiting. I mean, truly, I haven't really started working with George or my dad. I call him George. I call I call my dad Steve. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just to like I don't want to be like my dad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, People always ask if I don't have a good relationship or not with him because I'm calling him Steve. Like, do you not call him dad? I'm like, I do, but not when I'm trying to like be somewhat professional. Yeah, some people think it's weird, but I'm like, that's what I do. So, um, I would say working together, we didn't work really. I mean, my first two years, maybe even two and a half, he did not help me at all, at all. And I kind of resented him for it. You know, literally, like, we never coached. We never talked. We never checked in. Like, I had a different person who was really, like, my boss and and my coach um, did not help me at all. And so it was funny because no one really associated, even though we were related, like, in our company – I, and I'm so grateful for it now because I feel like I've really earned the respect of my peers. Does it that help way. having a different last name? Um, it does. I was I, Steve I mean, Maddox mm. Jr. That was tough. I'm not gonna yeah, lie to you. You men, sorry, <laughs> patriarchy. That's why I go by Boo. That's why I go oh, by Boo. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know. Actually, it was kind of funny when I got into title because we were our preferred our preferred, the company's preferred title company. I assumed like, oh, Morris, people are just going to send me business and people don't care. They, they really don't. don't. They don't. They don't care. So yeah. I, again, I still had to like make relationships, create value, figure out what's important to people. So I got a good taste of that. And then when I moved into recruiting, it it just was that on steroids. And, and especially when you're recruiting people outside of the brokerage where a lot of people don't even know that dynamic. I mean, Honestly, I don't think I've gotten the, oh, you're just successful because of your dad very much because of the work I've done on myself yeah, and I to think be it, able to do I, that. Well, I, and I love mm-hmm. that because I think that, that when you have a parent in the industry or you have a, a successful parent, it does one of two things. Mm-hmm. It either makes you lackadaisical in your approach. Mm-hmm. It makes you Fair. assume that certain things are going to be handed to you that just aren't. It, 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 it makes it so that you don't do the things that you should yeah or there's the opposite and i haven't found any middle ground there's the opposite which is i'm going to be the absolute best that i possibly can for no other reason than just right. to prove to everybody that my dad didn't do it exactly for me. yeah i think that's definitely the approach i've taken and my favorite compliment is when people are like oh are you kenzie's dad rather than oh you're george's yeah. daughter <laughs> because yeah. then you know you just it's just a big pat on the back to where you're you're doing. Well, it's validating, right? Like it helps you understand mm-hmm. that, uh, or let you know that you are going down the right path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I, I want to get your take on this because um, I I think that you you probably interview more real estate agents than anybody else that I've had on this show so far, oh, okay. which was a big reason why I wanted to have you on mm-hmm. uh, for consumers, right? Like take and I think that this is kind of a unique approach where where I, for me at least I because my business is generated through real estate agents, I'm not directly going to the to the consumers. Mm. I'm not going directly to buyers and sellers and saying, Hey, use me to list your house. I don't know how to list a house. Don't call boo to list your house. (laughs) I don't know how I've moved half, uh, probably 500 transactions at this point in in five or six years. I don't know how to list your house. Don't call me. I'm going to refer you to one of my friends because I don't know how to do it. Right. I think you're probably in the same boat where you're not actively trying to get business right. Right. You are, but, but 
your main focus for for Century is recruiting. Is recruiting. So right. I would love to kind of get your take. What if you're a buyer or a seller, right? If you were getting ready to buy or sell your house or a house, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you would look for in a real estate agent to to facilitate that transaction? Mm, good question. So, I mean, there's always the idea of, oh, we'll just pick the agent who sold the most property, which I don't necessarily agree with because we've seen lots of agents who are quality-wise not amazing, but they do a lot of quantity, right? A lot of production. And so I think it really does come down to what level of communication, right? What are their skill sets in communication, meaning how do they negotiate? Who do they have on their team to support them if they don't know a question? Because every single transaction, no matter how long you've been in the business, there are times where you still see new things that come up. Yeah, and you can get the basics down. You can get to the point where an appraisal coming in low isn't the scariest thing in the world, right? You can get to that point, Yeah. but there's still going to always be unknowns, right? Right, right. Well, and I would ask too, you know, ask ask your realtor really good questions. What do you do to keep your skill set sharp? What do you do to educate yourself? Do they know what's going on in the market? Because that's, that's a really big key to, are they just you know, telling you what you want to hear or do they actually know statistics? Do What's they going know? on in the market and can you articulate what that means to me as a buyer or a seller? Sure. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't, it was always uncomfortable because I, like, that's always one of my focuses. Mm-hmm. Right. Going back to what we said about having a dad in the industry, like you want to make sure that you're at the top of your game. And so like, I always try to do everything that I could to prep buyers for the reality of the market in the last two years. Yeah. And it was always really uncomfortable when they would come in and there was an agent that you could tell had not prepped them before. And some of the information that I was giving them, I was the first person to tell mm-hmm. them. And yeah. it was uncomfortable and it was awkward, right? Because then they feel like it's edge. They feel like it's me. They feel like I'm the big bad person right. that has that's put this market in, in the situation. It's like, no. Your agent should have been telling you this the entire time. This yeah. isn't an, an edge thing. This isn't a new construction thing. This is a market thing. Right. And and oftentimes agents didn't have the ability, at least in that first year when stuff was going crazy, mm-hmm. they didn't have the ability to articulate that. Well, true. And I mean, wh- what always happens in an up market or a buyer's market or a seller's market or what we see is that a lot of people get into the business just because they can make an easy quick sale. Yeah. Right. And because of that, the skill sets go way down on every level, whether it's the transaction, whether it's sales skills, communication, leadership, whatever it is, it drops. And so we've seen that a lot lately where the only way an agent the last couple of years, because there's fewer listings, lower inventory is the only way that they can get a deal is by discounting their commission because that's the only value they bring to the table. And we're going to see a lot less of that moving forward because it's going to come down to skill sets. I literally did a solo podcast on this about a half hour before you walked in. Oh. <laughs> um, and, and that's my that's my opinion that if, if the agent that you're working with, if their value add, if their value proposition to you as a buyer or a seller is I will do it for less than the person next door, it's not the person to hire. Yeah. Don't hire them. No. As somebody that is a huge advocate of real estate agents, don't hire that real estate agent. Mm-hmm. No, I, agree. I mean, and it's really risky right now as the market continues to shift. I mean, if you're just choosing someone who's going to do it for the cheapest, that might lose you more money than picking someone who knows how to price your property competitively and expect and anticipate market shifts. And not only that, but if you're a buyer right now and and you're not working with an agent that understands that and and you're working with an agent that is excited just to get something at, at, I would call it base price, 
list price. There mm-hmm. it is. That's the right term. Not, yeah. That's the base price right. is the builder term. Um, if you were working with a buyer's agent that is just excited to finally get something at list price, that's probably not the person to be working with either right now because that's not the reality of the market currently. We're seeing days on market triple, mm-hmm. right? We're seeing price reduction. Uh, price reduction. That's a new thing yeah. for some agents who have never done one. It's never been a thing, right? For the last two years, all of the mm-hmm. conversation has been around can you, uh, what type of an offer can you write? that is waiving earnest or waiving appraisal, hard earnest money from the beginning, mm-hmm. appraisal gap covered. Like there's, it's been the exact opposite and it, and it shifted. This is the thing that's so important for everybody to understand. It shifted in 30 days. It shifted in 45 days. Like legitimately mm-hmm. it, it flipped that quickly. Yeah, and if crazy. your agent is not in it every single day, they might not have noticed yet. Well, and that, that's why a market like this becomes an amazing time for recruiting because people, if we're being honest, they don't tend to move when business is amazing, right? I mean, if business is great and they're making exactly what they want and they're hitting the goals exactly like they want to be hitting, they're not necessarily as open to moving companies as when the market shifts and then they start to realize, oh, wait, I do need help. I do need someone to coach me on how to take a price reduction or, hey, how do I take more listings? How do I get my buyers under contract? You know, things like that. So it opens up the door for lots of opportunity for growth. And especially those who are coachable and willing to put in the work. I mean, it's it's exciting because it's even though there's a shift and there's a lot of panic for some people happening, it's also a, a new chapter and a lot of opportunity with it. So it, it, the market's obviously shifting. You're going to see more agents losing their license. You're going to see more agents saying, hey, this ain't it. More agents saying, I'm done. I'm out. This yeah. isn't a quick buck like I thought it was going to right. be. Um, and, and like I, I love what you said because that's going to make recruiting a little bit easier and it's going to make it better for you going forward. So who would you guys say is a good fit for you? right? And and keep in mind, everybody that's listening, if you're an agent that's thinking about Century 21 or whatever, right? And this isn't, I'm not sitting here plugging Century 21, but I am saying if you go over there, they have heavy hitters. They have mm-hmm. Justin Udy. They have Austin. K- they have heavy, heavy hitters there because of the environment that George and Kenzie have built, right? And it, it it's, it's probably not for everybody. Right. No, it's not. <laughs> That's for sure. You use the word intense multiple times describing what it was like growing up with him. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that hasn't shifted based on the two phone calls I've had with him in the last week or two, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an environment where we are committed to helping our agents get what they want. You know, it's not an environment where we say, boo, you have to close 20 deals or else, right? We we never make up mandatory minimums for our agents. It's really about okay, creating a business plan of saying, okay, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to get to? And breaking that down so you know exactly how to get there and then holding you accountable to it, which is something that I've noticed is missing a lot in this business is- Well, just, people get into this to be their own boss, right? right? And they get mm-hmm. into the, they don't want that accountability because if you're your own boss, yeah. you don't have that accountability, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's the theory, at least. Right, exactly. So it's it's fun to see. I mean, I remember experiencing that in recruiting of you get into this business and you hear all these ideas of how to be successful. And, and it is a little bit of a leap of faith to say, okay, I'm going to prospect. I'm going to do my lead follow-up. Hopefully it works. Fingers crossed. And I still remember getting to a point where I said, oh my gosh, this actually works. Like, okay, this is like what we're teaching and what we're preaching. It, it works. And so my, my confidence is so strong in, in what we as a brokerage provide to the agents that it gives me a lot of confidence to actually go out and recruit and ask people and, and just talk about what do they want and see if it lines up with what we offer. So 
to answer your question in, in terms of what we're looking for in an agent is I would say top of mind is coachable, right? Someone who's willing That's to exactly what Bill Pipe said. Really? The, the okay. top performers all have is that they are incredibly coachable. It's true. I mean, yeah. success leaves clues. And so you can look at, we have so many agents who have come over to our company. I mean, you mentioned Justin Udy. I think when he joined us was doing 36 deals. Justin Udy does a lot more than 36 deals. He does deals well now. over 200 yeah. now with his, him and his team. And he just got his uh, master's in real estate development while doing all of that. He's so next level. Yeah. So those, so again, coachable, those who want to work smarter, not necessarily harder because I mean, we've been in this business. We know lots of agents yeah. who kill it, but they're completely miserable because yeah. they spend 24 seven working. And I don't believe that's a way to live a life, especially when you have so many, I mean, the blessing of real estate is that you can have flexibility if you build it the right way. So what should people expect if they do come over, right? Obviously, intensity is going to be one of those. Uh, what should they expect? Though? Like when they walk in those doors and they, they're rubbing shoulders with some of these people we've talked about, what 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 should be what should they expect? Yeah, and I, I don't want to scare people <laughs> with intensity. No, so I, it's, no, but it, it's better than getting in there, being there for 30 minutes and be like, you know what? Sure. I don't take this as seriously. Like I, I think you mm -hmm. would rather save your time. George would rather save his yeah. time. And you would rather save that time for that agent if this really isn't that fit for them. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I would say in order to really get the value of our company, you need to participate. You need to show up to trainings. You need to listen to the coaching calls and just engage in your coaching with your brokers and your managers and things like that. Otherwise, I mean, at that point, you might as well just be doing it on your own and go somewhere that charges you five bucks to close a deal. Yeah, go to a flat rate brokerage that, that's not going to yeah, that's not going to add that value yeah, that you guys are trying to. Exactly. But if you're looking to really, I mean, do something incredible in this industry and, and build a true business that's consistent, you can depend on it no matter what the market looks like, then, I mean, we should really sit down and talk because that's, that's the way we help our agents build their business. So what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you then? So t my cell phone is the best. So text, call. My cell phone's 801-574-7016. Perfect. We'll, we'll add that to the screen too. Yeah, after awesome. it'll, it'll look great. Okay, perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have lots of agents who just come in and even check out trainings. We do 20 plus hours of training every week in our offices. And so even if you just want to try it out or get some new ideas, that's what I always say is, look, we're in a relationship business. It's it's always good to know what um, what great people are doing and what great agents are doing because, I, I mean, in our company, you have the opportunity to rub agents with agents who are doing hundreds of deals. Yeah. I mean, truly, it, we're, we're actually, in terms of units or sold, we're literally the number one producing company in the state of Utah among all brands. And then when we talk about Century 21 as a brand, we've been the last several years running their number one producing office in the world. So it, it's not there to say, oh, come join us. We're the best. It's just to say, hey, look, we're doing some things that are really working. So come check it out. Well, congratulations to you guys. It's exciting. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for and having we, me. Of course, it's we appreciate you coming connect. on. Yeah.